Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Oh man, here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying coworker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. HawkFanatic.com brought to you by Patrick Eads and his staff on Mormon Trek at Deary Brothers Ford Lincoln. Steve Anderson, Hawkeye Title and Settlement. Mike's Lock, and E-Keys for Cars. G.G. Carr and his crew at Supel Siding and Remodeling. Supel's Flowers, the home of 1-800-800-ROWS. The Midtown Family Restaurants. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, 101 South Dubuque Street, downtown Iowa City. Kettleson RV in Hiawatha, Premier Automotive in North Liberty. The Oxyoke Inn in the Amanas. Had a great meal there on Saturday. Players, Sports Bar and Grill, downtown. Streets Maintenance, the Wild Rose Casino in Clinton. Dr. Lance Forbes, Diamond Dental in Cedar Rapids. And Bumps Restaurant. Here joining us is Pat Hardy from HawkFanatic.com and Coach Don Patterson. Good morning, Don. How you doing? I'm doing well, Pat. How about you? Not bad. Have you thought out from the spring practice on Saturday? It was cold, wasn't it? Well, I will admit I had to get out my big coat again, my winter <laughs> coat, and I, I was smart enough to wear a pair of gloves. Um, and I even wore a cap. I normally do not wear a cap, but I thought maybe it would keep a little bit of extra heat on top of my head. So um, I was doing it appropriately, and yet I was still a little bit chilled. Absolutely true. I wished I would have worn a cap when I was there because, no, it was cold. I wanted to ask you, is there a chance that the coldest game you ever coached in was maybe played in Florida, ironically? The Gator Bowl, 83? You no, know, it felt like I know the one you're talking about, Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, it felt like it. Uh, you know, I'm, I changed my opinion a little bit, and those fans that don't remember the Gator Bowl, um, it was cold enough that I believe the the bathrooms in the stadium were were not available. Right? They were. I believe that's right. Freezing pipes and whatnot. Uh, but I I didn't revise my thought. To me, if if it's cold and you're near a large body of water like the Atlantic Ocean, it feels even colder. Yes. Uh, and and it certainly was a cold night, and and um, neither team played very well on offense and. You might recall, of course, that Florida got the best of us. It was not a well-played game on offense for either side. Uh, but I will 
defend them by saying that the weather had a lot to do with it. Oh, without question. I think the final score was like 13 to 9. I know a couple of people that yeah. were at that game. And I mean, the wind chill, if I remember correctly, it was below zero, the wind chill. And we're talking about Florida. I mean, I know it's North yeah. Florida, but still, that, that was unfortunate, too, because that, that was a really good team. And both teams were good, and I just thought the weather really took the whole whatever you want to call it out of the game. It just it was the story, yeah. unfortunately. But yeah, I I do recall too, Pat. I believe it was last Thursday. Maybe the forecast high was forty five that mm-hmm. day. Maybe I'm wrong about the day, but one of the days of the week last week, that forecast high was forty five. They did mention that the average high temperature on that date was sixty two. So we were uh, on Saturday. We were at least twenty degrees below below the normal weather we we have this time of the year. Oh, without question, I feel for those baseball players. I mean, give them credit. They swept Nebraska despite the weather, so good good work there by Iowa baseball. And Okay, so, Don, just um, you were there at the practice. I was there. I mean, I, I'll tell you, we were talking briefly on the phone yesterday. The biggest surprise for me, nothing that I witnessed out on the field, but was when afterwards, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, when Kirk basically acknowledged that Deacon Hill – had moved ahead of Joe Labus into the backup quarterback spot, and he had done that just strictly in spring ball. I, were you surprised with, to hear that? Because I was. Well, I was uh, down the sideline for the entire scrimmage, and as a result, I had a chance to talk to any number of different people. And one person who remained nameless, but he's, he's a guy that's at practice every day, and he mentioned he's not a football player. He's a, a staff member, mm-hmm. not a full-time coach, but a different kind of staff member. But, of course, he's around the players all the time and is at every last minute of every practice. He made the comment that that Deacon and, and Cade appear to be faster learners than Joey. And um, and I think that might, that might be true. It certainly appears to be true. And I had suspected even last, last fall and even, even up until bowl time that Joey was, uh, if you want to talk about um, any kind of mental edge that a quarterback needs to have. You've heard me say before, quarterbacks have to process really quickly, mm-hmm. and they absolutely have to be above average in terms of intelligence and learning mm-hmm. because the game happens very fast. Uh, and I think probably that's a slight advantage, if not a bigger advantage for Deacon. Uh, it was commented that he's learned the offense um, by this particular person. He said, Kate and Deacon appear to know the offense better than Joey. That was his comment. I think there's some truth to that. And Deacon's only been in the program uh, for a couple of months. A, a couple of snaps went on the ground when Joy was in there. Maybe it's simply at the backup center. I think they were both with the backup center. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all quarterbacks have to learn. You have to ride the center when the ball snapped. And if it goes on the ground, of course, it's not your fault. It's not his fault. It's both of your faults. Uh, and so that's a concern. You know, you can't you can't shoot yourself in the foot, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, formal snaps, of course, that's an easy way to lose a football game. And, and that's a concern. It's just ball security in general. I think Joey is more mobile, for sure. I do, too, yes. Uh, yeah, than Deacon. Deacon has a good, strong arm. Uh, a lot of those balls that were really pretty when they left his hand, they came down nowhere near a receiver either. Uh, but that wasn't all Deacon's fault. Sometimes receivers were covered. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was simply a ball thrown away. Uh, but I do question his accuracy at this point. Uh, I think it's it's obvious that, that Cade has the experience that gives him a decisive edge. Uh, I think one of our priorities in the fall has to be we have to absolutely work hard to keep Cade healthy because I do think 
that if we lose Cade, we lose a lot. I agree. In terms of leadership and in terms of uh, quarterback stabbing. So um, I would hope, I, I flashed back to last year, uh, I believe it was that, that game that took seven hours to play. Uh, we never gave Padilla a snap in that game. And I would hope that the coaches this year, when we do get out in front of an early opponent, early season opponent this year, we need to get Kate out of the game. We do not need to tempt fate by playing him when the game's already won. Uh, and of course, the backups need need snaps anyway. So we need to get those backups, second and third team guys snaps. Uh, hopefully, it's a clear cut number two when when September rolls around. Mm-hmm. Whoever it is, uh, but ho- hopefully, number three is also. Uh, advanced from where he is right now. Well, the thing with Deacon Hill, I mean, interviewing him after, he's a big kid. I mean, he's a thick, big kid. It looks like he could absorb some hits. They list him at 6'3", 230. I think he might be bigger than that. I'm sure you saw how, I mean, you saw up close how big. He's a big, he's yeah, a big I quarterback. he might be as much as 240, but but I don't know. Uh, you're right, he's he's good-sized. Now, one of my concerns, and of course, he really, you really couldn't see in Saturday scrimmage, uh, how he did a, how he did it um, in this particular area. You've always heard us talk about extending plays. Mm-hmm. Well, Padilla could extend plays better than Spencer. Uh, that is one of my concerns. I have no doubt that Cade will extend plays better than Deacon. Uh, and Joey has an edge on Deacon, I think, in terms of being able to escape a pass rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, if I was um, if I had the chance to talk to Deacon, I would say my thought for you is that you can play better in a little lighter weight, and I don't doubt that he'll, he'll have a chance to get there by by fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably a little bit too heavy right now, um, but um, and that that is a concern is how how well he can move in the pocket. That's part of the problem, of course, that Spencer had. He wasn't very mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to play football with a quarterback that doesn't have. Uh, at least average to above average mobility. Yes. And I do think that Kerry will give us that, especially compared to Deacon. Yeah, especially the way the defense is attacked now. I know K didn't do a lot on Saturday, but I'll tell you, there was one throw when they were doing seven-on-sevens in the red zone. He threw a throw out to the corner. He had a tiny window to throw this thing in, and I had a perfect view of it. It was a perfectly thrown ball. I mean, it, and he looked so comfortable doing it. I know it, you may not remember because it didn't really stand out. I just was impressed because it's one of those t- throws to the corner where he's got just a tight window between the sideline and where the receiver is, and he hit this receiver perfectly in stride. And, I, and I'm with you, though. I think with Cade, and we were talking yesterday, Don, I wrote something. I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to be – they're going to go through some huge turnaround and make this big improvement on offense. But if you take quarterback, tight ends, running backs, and kicker, those are four positions on offense where I think they look pretty good in those positions. Now, offensive line and wide receiver are different, of course, and they're big parts, but just break down the offense. I mean, you kind of agreed with me yesterday. Those four spots, they're in pretty good. You like the running backs. You like the tight ends, of course, and just talk about what you think potentially this offense could do if the receivers and offensive line make improvements. Well, one of the one of the um, pleasures I had on the sideline yesterday was visiting with Reese Morgan, who's uh, an old and dear friend, and of course, an outstanding football coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, Reese was just volunteering some of his thoughts about exactly what you're talking about, about personnel. And I think you're right. I think we're going to be in, in super shape with Kay taking snaps. He's the field general that we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's got uh, a little swagger to him, which is a good thing. You need to play that position with confidence. He's been in a lot of tough situations, of course, and been able to process those well. 
So we're going to get good leadership out of Kate. There's no doubt about it. I do like the tight end room. I think it's as good a tight end group as we've maybe ever had. Yeah, I agree. Which is saying something, of course, because we've had a lot of good tight end rooms through the years. Uh, I do like Eric all a lot. I had a good chance to watch him up close in some of those seven-on-seven uh, seven drills. Got very soft hands. I was talking to one one of the uh, one of the staff at the time we were throwing to him. Uh, I might have been talking to Lon Olenzak at that time. Uh, Lonnie, of course, it goes to a lot of practices and has a good idea for what a receiver should look like. And um, and Eric doesn't have to double catch anything. He's got good hands. Catches the ball cleanly every time. He's he's a, an explosive athlete. He's got uh, he's got at least as much explosiveness as Sam, as Sam Laporta, mm-hmm. which is saying something. Sure. Sam is certainly above average in that category too. He reminded me a lot of Sam in a lot of ways, um, and I do like I do like eighty seven too. Addison uh, I know that, and I I can't think of his name right now. But Addison Astringa. Astringa, yeah. yeah. That was a nice play down the seam. A nice ball that was thrown too. Uh, you know, I can see where uh, he's earned the confidence of his teammates and of his quarterbacks. So I feel good about him. I think we have a really good, a really good uh, trio there. And I think Stelianos is another guy mm-hmm. that shows good ability. And and we sh- we shouldn't finish discussion today of tight ends without talking about a guy named Hayden. Uh, I, I had to ask him the first time I see him. I'm going to ask him. Are you named by any chance in honor of our old coach? He's not. Kirk, addre- uh, Kirk addressed it after the game Saturday. That's strictly a coincidence. And, Don, they've moved him to fullback. He had to move to fullback yeah, because and, Eli and, Miller's and, hurt. Yeah, that gives me a chance. And I, I did read somewhere where there's no guarantee that Eli Miller will be with no, he's Kirk, Kirk said Saturday that he's probably not going to play this coming fall. And so they had to, they, they don't really have a lot of fullbacks when they listed their depth chart. Eli was the only one that they had listed. So they moved. Kirk said Hayden was doing okay at tight end, but he was buried on the depth chart. Now he's playing fullback and Kirk said he's going to be a factor at fullback. He may be their fullback. 6'5", 240 pound fullback named Hayden, but it is strictly yeah. a coincidence, the name. Yeah. I, I say this uh, about a guy like Hayden, Hayden Large. Um, one of the things we need to do more of, and he'll give you a chance to do it, we can show up with him going on the field, and let's assume the other team, because he, at that point maybe he's primarily played fullback. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll assume, of course, that would be what we would call 21 personnel, right? Two backs, one tight end. Mm-hmm. Hayden Lodge being the fullback. Uh, that does not necessarily mean that we have to line up uh, with the pro formation, with the two-back offense. Uh, it's entirely possible that we can line up with uh, with number eighty eight at tight end. Yeah, uh, and for that matter, he could be an attached tight end, and uh, a guy like Eric Hall, and for that matter, Lachey as well. Either one of them is very comfortable playing in the slot, so we can be multiple with our formations yep. by using the same personnel for any number of different formations. That's smart football. That's messing with the defensive coordinator's mind a little bit. Just because uh, uh, Large is going on the field, uh, you cannot assume that he's strictly going to be a fullback. You're right. Good point. Uh, and for that matter, he can line up as a, a wingback, you know, next to an offensive tackle, but lined up off the ball. And then, of course, with simple motion back into our backfield, you can go from one-back offense to two-back offense with him being, again, the fullback. Just because he's lined up in a in a close wing position does not mean he's going to operate after the snap as a tight end down the field. 
he might be very well the lead blocker in a running play. No, you're right. That's a From good that point. that position, he can do that. And Kirk seemed really optimistic about him making a contribution, and that and that, that would be typical Iowa football. They get a kid from Dort College, he comes in here, and he finds a way. Now let's go back to the running backs. I, I mean, there's four of them right now. That We've got the two, of course. You've got Caleb Johnson and LaShawn Williams and Jay-Z and Patterson, the redshirt freshman from Florida, and then a kid who I liked in just little – I know it's a small body of work, but this Terrell Washington Jr. who was committed to Jeff Brom and Purdue until – Brom took the Louisville job. I like Terrell Washington, what I've seen. If they could get him in space and maybe use him sort of in the slot too, you know. It's, it, he looks like the yeah. running back that they, could, that they could use in multiple ways. If you know, Just your thoughts on the running backs. Well, you know, when the scrimmage started, I had no idea who number eight was. Uh, but as soon as I watched him carry the ball a couple of times, I was listening close to the public address announcer because I wanted to be sure I knew the kid's name. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm also aware now that he's from Wiley High School. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny, uh, just a, a few short weeks ago, I was driving right by Wiley High School because we were down in Texas. As you know, I was, uh, signed up our trip so that we were down there at the same time as the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and our my, my sister-in-law, uh, lives out in Murphy, which is adjacent to Wiley. It's a northeast suburb of Dallas. And, um, and of course, high school football doesn't get much better than Texas. And I like number eight because number eight can make you miss. Uh, he's got good quickness. Uh, he's, he's not, he's solidly built. You know, he's not, he's going to be able to take some, uh, some punishment. And of course, to play running back, you have to take some punishment. Uh, and as I understood it, same thing you said. He is capable of being uh, a slot receiver. Yes. He's capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, has a chance to be an explosive player. And you need all those game breakers you can find. And, of course, to challenge them, once you've identified those game breakers, you got to do a good job of getting them the ball in space. And I don't doubt that he's going to have a chance to do that for us, maybe even as a true freshman. We'll see. But he certainly gives us some depth. And, and I remember what Kirk used to say as an online coach, for Iowa, we'd have maybe one scholarship left, and, and Hayden would go around the table. Who needs another player? And sometimes, I do recall a couple of times when he came to Kirk, uh, Kirk said, well, I could use another lineman, but if we can find another explosive running back, you can't have too many good running backs. I'd be all for a running back because an explosive running back is going to make my five linemen look better than they already are. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you can't have too many good backs, and of course, Running backs, uh, it's not easy for a running back to stay healthy over an entire season. That's why it doesn't bother me at all to discuss backs in terms of running back by committee. Mm -hmm. Because if you're putting all your stock in one player, good luck being able to keep him healthy over an entire season. It's, It's critical that you have a great backup running back. Hopefully there's not much difference in number one and number two. And for that matter, you better get number three ready to go too because uh, number three may have to play when the game's on the line as well. Well, I think Jay-Z and Patterson is going to play some. I don't know how they're going to do it because they've got two proven veteran backs now. But the one thing I like about Terrell Washington, and it's not a criticism for Iowa running backs, but it seems like, especially under Kirk, most of the running backs that they get can basically just play running back. They're not these guys like a Ronnie Harmon type who could shift back and forth. Terrell Washington looks like he could be just as comfortable catching the ball as running the ball. And, you know, Purdue's offense under Brom, they had those types of players where they're kind of receivers slash running backs, and that was the role he was going to play at Purdue. So, no, I like him. I, I, I like him, and I like Jay-Zion Patterson. And then, of course, now we go to the kicker. I mean, 
um, Drew Stevens is as good as on paper right now. After he's as good as any kicker in the country right now. After what he did last year, now he's got to keep doing it. Yeah, I did have a chance to, to say hi to Drew on Saturday. I've gotten to know him a little bit too, and I made this comment to him, which which I think he appreciated. Uh, I said, Drew, you had an outstanding freshman year. Congratulations on that, and he thanked me. And I said, just so you know how I feel, Drew, I honestly feel. If you go on the field to kick that last-second field goal against Iowa State last year, we're going to overtime. That's how much confidence I have in you. Uh, and he said, Coach, I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me that you have that kind of confidence in me. And I said, well, it's it's been earned. You know, you've performed mm-hmm. so at such a high level as a freshman. You have a ch- I said, we've had a lot of great kickers here through the years, but you have a chance to leave here is maybe the best kicker we've ever Without had. Without question, yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a good goal for you because it's a goal that is attainable. And um, there's nothing wrong with, you know, with, um, with making that statement because kickers do need to have great confidence. And I think at this point he's earned uh, a high level of confidence with how you kick. Well, as great as Nate Kading was as a Hawkeye, he was not near as good as Drew was as a freshman. Nate had some struggles as a freshman, yeah. had to fight through those. Drew didn't really. He missed two field goals. He made both of his field goals from 50 yards and beyond. And I remember the first time I interviewed him, I, I remember leaving that interview. I'm like, God, that kid's kind of cocky. And I remember saying something to you, and you're like, good. I'm glad to hear that. He goes, yeah. that's what you want in your kicker. They don't need to go overboard. And he didn't, but you could tell that he was pretty comfortable with himself, and he was very comfortable. This was a 17-, 18-year-old kid meeting all this media for the first time. Didn't phase him. And he just, he was a, just, a, there was this aura of confidence around him. How big is the mental part in the kicking game at this level, Don? Well, I, you know, you've always heard me say that a quarterback has to have ice, uh, ice water in his veins. Uh, a kicker would be nice if he has that same kind of, that same kind of vein structure because, let's face it, you know, there are some key situations when he goes on the field. Uh, and you, you, you know that ball's not going to go through unless you believe it's going to mm-hmm. go through. Even then, of course, the wind may may uh, screw up the plan. But but uh, you know they're only human. Even the best NFL kickers, in rare cases, do miss. But they don't miss very often. Uh, and the thing I like too about Drew, and I know I mentioned to Drew even last year before the season started, I said Drew, I don't know that much about place kicking, but I do know this. I always knew this. And talking to my kickers, and I had some great kickers at Western Illinois, too, when I was the head coach there. I always told them this. I don't know much, but do me a favor. Every time you line up for a PAT, if the ball doesn't go right down the middle, then I want you to be asking yourself, why not? Uh, that old expression, split the uprights, mm-hmm. it applies. Because if you're not splitting the uprights from 20 yards, of course, that'd be a PAT. Uh, it'd be placed on the 10-yard line. And, and kick 20 yards. I said, if it doesn't go right down the middle, then that means from 40 yards, it was probably going to be a miss. Uh, so don't be satisfied with the PAT that just slips inside the upright. That's the problem because that's going to be a miss from further out on the field. And so if you notice, if you go back, if you went back and looked at all of those PATs, almost all of them are right down the middle. Yeah. And that's what you want. Okay, shifting over to defense. I mean, it was hard to really gauge to evaluate. I mean, most of the defensive linemen starters are out, but I'm not really that. I know they lose a lot on defense, but they got a lot coming back. I'm to the point with defense now. They may not be quite as dominant as they were last year, but don't you feel pretty good about defense? And of course, they got a great punter. I mean, there's reason if you combine that and the fact that they don't play Ohio State or Michigan, and like you said yesterday, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Purdue, all with first year coaches. 
to me, this is a 2023 season that Iowa has to take advantage of because 2024 is going to be a lot different when USC and UCLA join. I mean, I think there's reason to be optimistic. I, I think you're right. You know, truthfully, uh, you, you had all kinds of different schedules. Last year was clearly uh, a tougher schedule than this year, mm-hmm. uh, simply because we played both Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, and, of course, it's hard to beat either one of those on any given year. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, this year, uh, I recall vividly, there was one there's one team on our 12-game schedule that finished in the top 25, and that, of course, would be Penn State. Penn State. Only one. And to go a step further, only five of those 12 teams had winning seasons last year. And a couple of those five teams changed coaching staff. Yep. So, and, and for that matter, three of those five teams show up in Kinnick. So that's a favorable schedule anywhere you slice it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it might, I would go on a limb and, out on a limb and say it might be the most favorable schedule we'll have over the next 10 years. Uh, so it's a schedule that we have a good chance to take advantage of. Uh, and we've done that in the past. Two years ago, we had a softer schedule and took good advantage of it. Last year was a tougher schedule, and we still were able um, to accomplish a lot of a lot of nice things. Um, and having said that, and I'm sure Kirk would agree, yeah, there are any number of teams that that we have a great chance to beat. Uh, in part because we're playing some of them at home, mm-hmm. um, and in other cases, maybe we're going on the road. But they've had. They've got an entirely new coaching staff, so that's got to be a little bit of a setback for them. And nowadays, of course, with the transfer portal, not hard to imagine that those coaches that are new on the scene at their schools have maybe lost a few key players because um, they have one more reason to consider looking elsewhere. They don't know what these new coaches are all about. Uh, so I do think that we have a good chance to make hay, so to speak, on our schedule. And um, I look forward to that. And, and I think it's entirely possible. Our fans won't be happy with it if it works out this way. But I think it's entirely possible that we're gonna, there are going to be games this fall where we win. Uh, but, again, we win what you might call ugly. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. If you win, you win. Yep. So, you know, we don't have to put up 35 points a game. That's not likely to happen, that's for sure. Uh, but I think our defense, it's going to be hard to imagine that it's going to be quite as good as last year. Uh, if, if that's going to happen, we got to get some really elevated play linebackers than what we have right now. Yes. And I'm not beating up on those linebackers. I'm just giving great credit uh, to the guys that played last fall. Um, it's going to be hard to match that because that was exceptional linebacker play. Yeah. On the other hand, I think our D-line play will be even better than a year ago. Uh, if only because of a guy named Aaron Graves. It's certainly coming into his own. He sure is. Um, but we have we have any number of other guys, of course, that have already played winning football at D-line. And then I think we're going to be finding the back end, too. I do think, uh, I do think Harris better stay healthy. Uh, and, of course, I got a great confidence in, in Cooper for how he's uh, played and how he will play. Uh, and I like... I like number one playing in the back end. I like our, I like Schulte, you know, because he's a lot like Turner was. Not going to make mistakes. Uh, you know, we're we're going to do a good job of preventing big plays mm-hmm. all over again. And I haven't gone back and looked at all the numbers from last year. I've done all the individual work on every last coverage game. I suspect last year's defense uh, might have been the best we've ever had in preventing big plays, you know, what I call explosive and super explosive yeah. plays, 20-yard-plus mm-hmm. plays or 30-yard-plus plays. 
I think this might have been our best season ever uh, in preventing uh, huge plays on on the part of the opposing offense. Uh, and that's Phil Parker defense. We're gonna, I'm sure we're gonna do a good job of that all over again. Um, and of course, it all starts with being good up front, because if you don't match up well against the other team's offensive line, it's going to be a struggle for you. Because if they're ahead of the chains, then that opens up all kinds of play action possibilities, uh, and of course, uh, that gives the other team a better chance to make big plays. Uh, speaking of that, we need to do a better job of taking advantage of waste downs, and it all starts, of course, with getting into a lot of waste down situations, ending up with a lot of second and one, second and two, mm-hmm. second and three. Hopefully we can get into more of those. Uh, we only averaged about three a game last year. We had 38 over the entire season. So we need more we need more waste downs. And of course, uh, a good running back that makes a guy miss uh, gives you a chance to end up with some bigger gains on on a first down play. And speaking of linebacker, one thing is we got to take into account Nick Jackson, the trans, the graduate transfer from Virginia, will be joining the team this summer. He was not there, and he's not coming here to sit on the bench. He's going to play somewhere. I don't know if it's going to be in the middle or at the weak side or whatever, but he was uh, – I mean, he had a ton of statistics at Virginia, played a lot over three years, and so that's yeah, going to be a key addition. ACC football, and, of course, ACC, ACC football is outstanding football. Mm-hmm. He's a very productive player for Virginia, yeah. and I have no doubt he'll do that for us, too, in the fall. That was a good get. That's how you use the portal. And speaking of the portal, it's funny. I had, We had Fran McCaffrey on last week, and he called the portal a mess. And then I asked Kirk about yeah. it Saturday, and he said the exact same thing. It's a mess. How would you – I mean, Don, yeah. you're not that far removed from coaching. How, I mean, would the portal – if you were a head coach right now, would the portal be driving you insane? How would you be dealing with it? Uh, yes, it would. <laughs> and here's what's frustrating about it. Um, you know, you need – here's one thing I used to always say to my players. Let's just go with the quarterback position because I ended up coaching strictly quarterbacks at, at – UConn, mm-hmm. as you know, here I coach quarterbacks and receivers. But with that smaller meeting room, which quarterbacks only, I remember vividly I would start off every year. I would say we'd be um, seated in a small room, and it was easy for me to say, uh, let's get this straight right now, first and foremost. Um, this is not about you. It's not about you. And I'm going around the room pointing at individual quarterbacks. It's not about you. For that matter, it's not about me. It's not about Bob Diaco, or in this case, it's not about Kirk Ferentz. It is all about team. And if you don't understand that, then we're not going to get along. Uh, Because I've coached a long time, and I have an idea of who has got selfish thoughts in their head and who does not. And any wise coach will tell you, after a big win, the smart coaches are looking around the locker room to see who's not happy. Because that's very telling. If you're not happy after a big win, then you're not a good teammate. Mm-hmm. I don't care whether you played or not. Uh, but if your lips out, if you think if you think that you deserve to play more, then we've got a problem with you because you have to understand. And I said at that very first meeting, I would say, if you're the fourth team quarterback, I'm okay with that, and you should be okay with it too. I'm going to love you for being the fourth team quarterback, provided you give us nothing less than your best. Because if you're the if you're the fourth team quarterback. You better be a great scout team quarterback because we're not going to get well prepared for the game if you're not. So, yes, you are very important to us. And uh, please understand, when our defense plays well on Saturday, you had everything to do with that because you were the guy that was emulating the opposing quarterback. Mm -hmm. 
So please understand you're all important to us. And my actions are going to demonstrate that over and over, that you're important to us. I'm going to care about you. I don't care if you're first on the depth chart or last. I'm going to care about you equally because you're part of a unit. You're part of a, a special group of young men and coaches. Um, and if we understand that, then we're going to have great success. But some of the parts needs to be greater than the whole. Think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good teams are that way because everybody is pulling on the rope and everybody's pulling exactly in that same direction. That's what you got to have. And the portal kind of – I mean, I'm all for the players getting freedom and getting paid. Don't get me wrong. It's just that the portal, it just seems like it's – I mean, the NCAA just – they they just didn't I don't know they just didn't see this coming or if they did they just didn't prepare for it and now I mean well I just saw there's two receivers from Colorado that entered the portal right after their spring game Saturday I mean there's a lot of roster shuffle going on out there with Deion Sanders and right away anytime a receiver hits the portal boom it's because Don you saw I mean Iowa Kirk acknowledged they need help at receiver they're going to try to be an active player in the portal. You saw it. They do need, and there's nothing against the receivers they have, the walk-ons. These guys are all good receivers, or they wouldn't be there. But, Don, they obviously need help at receivers. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. And you've heard me say this, and this is one of my primary concerns for the fall. You need to recruit receivers that can take the top off the defense. Uh, and, and, of course, but don't just restrict yourself to thinking about guys that are high school receivers. Uh, nothing wrong at all with recruiting a very explosive high school running back that maybe is too small to play running back in college, but can certainly make that transition. Mm-hmm. All I got to do is remind you of guys like Tim DeWhite. Yeah. Or how about how about uh, Robert Smith? Uh, how about Damon Gibson? Damon Gibson. How about Demo Odoms? Yep. Those are all former high school running backs, and I, I understand that that coaches like six three receivers. But 6'3 receivers do not have the same hot feet as a lot of guys that are 5'10 or 5'11. Don't be scared of recruiting a guy that is undersized but does have hot feet. Um, Coach Fry always famously said, you never weigh or measure a man when he crosses the goal line. They're all worth six points. So get guys that can, that can scare the other team's defense. And specifically, one of my concerns for the fall it's not hard for me to imagine it would happen this way. You've always heard me say, Pat, one of the things you need to do is you need to make the opponent play left-handed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not insulting all those left-handed people out there, but you know exactly what I mean. Sure. If you're, if you're more comfortable playing right-handed, then make them play left-handed. Don't allow them to beat you the way they like to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Fry was good at identifying that. We were good at making teams play left-handed. The simple example I'll give you, if we have, if we have uh, no more big playability at wide receiver than we have right now, it's not hard to imagine those teams with good corners are going to play single coverage outside, and they're going to outnumber us in the box, mm-hmm. and they're going to dare us to throw the ball. Uh, that's what they should do. That's what they will do. So that's a concern. Um, and um, and it doesn't mean it's all man coverage. Man free, of course, is the easy way to play single coverage outside and load the box. Um, and, of course, the free safety gives, gives those corners help over the top on deep throws. Uh, but there are other ways to do it, too. You could simply line up in, in, um, in three-deep zone football and expose the corners, you know, the one-on-one coverage, and still be effectively outnumbered the other team in the box. You know, you could put that strong safety... Even though he's a flat defender, 
you could be playing not far off the strength of that formation. And then on the other side of the formation, you could have you could have four defenders on that side of the ball too. And when I say four defenders, I'm talking about defenders that are in the box mm-hmm. or immediately outside the box. You know what I mean by sure. the box, yeah. of course. Yep. So you're outnumbering them on the weak side of the formation with that fourth defender who's playing low. And on the strong side of the formation, that fourth defender would be a strong safety that's responsible for the flat. But let's face it, if the corner doesn't need a lot of help, that gives him a chance to cheat toward the box on the strong side. That's what's difficult to run the ball against, of course, is any alignment that outnumbers you. Yep. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to get them all blocked. One way you can effectively do that, of course, is have have a certain amount of running game for the run for the quarterback. But we're not going to do that with Cade. We we have to uh, we're going to do it very selectively because we're kind of crazy to subject him to too many hits. Yeah. Because every time you do, of course, you're taking a small chance with injury. Uh, in rare cases, of course, I'm sure we will run Cade on a Q draw, just as we ran Spencer a few times on a Q draw. Um, but let's face it, if the running back uh, is um, is not outnumbered, uh, then that's that's a better way to play him. If, if we're not outnumbered in the box, then that means simply that they're playing with two deep safeties mm-hmm. and two roll corners, and now, of course, we do have a better chance to run the football. We're going to see more two deep coverage, of course, in long yardage, where we need seven, eight, nine, ten yards, and then, of course, they're they're a little more confident in defending the pass and, and daring you to run the ball and try to pick up uh, that many yards on, on that critical third down. You just highlighted my biggest concern for next season. Like I said, I think they've got a lot of pieces to be optimistic about, but what you said, teams are going to load the box, and if Iowa can't run, their offense sometimes self-destructs, and the receivers, if they don't, if they're not a threat, that's that's my concern. That's That's what I think will keep this team from being elite, but I think there's enough – on the team to be better than average. Like I said, I don't think you have to be a great team to win the West next year. I don't, I mean, I, the West to me looks, I don't want to say suspect, but it looks very winnable. Let's put it that way. So, but no, you just said it. That's the concern about how they're going to play the receivers. So, but, but Hey, before we wrap up, I want to talk to you. Um, we've had some losses in the Hawkeye community recently. We were talking briefly, Bernie Wyatt, um, Frank Gilliam, the last of the Steubenville trio, I mean, we lost the first one over a half a century ago when Calvin Jones was killed in a plane crash, and then Eddie Vincent died recently, and then, of course, Frank Gilliam just recently died. We lost Bernie White. I don't know. Did you know Don Lund? Don Don was a, a longtime Hawkeye fan. He worked for the North Liberty Leader. I don't know if you, were, if you knew Don Lund. Did you? He, he, he recently passed away, too. You know, I, I'm not sure that I did. There's, of course, there are some, some fans that are close to the program, and I meet them, but I may not remember their name. There's so many of them out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't doubt that I maybe met him at one time or another. I can't recall for yeah, sure. Yeah, he overcame a lot. I he had, I mean, he had, he wrote a book about overcoming the disability. He was born without hands. And before he died, his. Yes, I do know him. Yes, okay. Yeah. I did meet him. I, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And he was a great Hawkeye. He used to call into the show all the time, lots of times to correct my mistakes, as I've said before. And he was kind of a, uh, a fact checker for us. But he was a diehard Hawkeye. He loved Hayden. He loved all you guys. And, but yeah, we lost him recently, and obviously you coached with Bernie Wyatt. And when I think of Bernie Wyatt, the first thing I think of is recruiting. I mean, I um, he Absolutely. and he did the same thing at Wisconsin too. I know Souter hates to be reminded about that, but um, Bernie had a gift for recruiting. Is that fair to say? Yes, he did, no doubt about it. And 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 um, those that are close to the program are probably aware of this. 
you know, Hayden and Bernie were entirely different personalities. Mm-hmm. And it's not hard to imagine that um, that they mixed a little bit like oil and water. You know, they had a few uh, contentious conversations through the years. Uh, but despite all that, Hayden was still smart enough to always keep Bernie around because Bernie was one of the very best recruiters in college football. And, and of course, um, we would not have had the success we had if we weren't especially effective recruiting the East Coast and recruiting the great state of Texas. Uh, that gave us a winning edge over so many other Midwestern teams. And I, I think even now, I'm glad to see that we haven't given up on Texas because Texas can help us in recruiting. I know we've gotten a little bit of help, of course, out of, out of Georgia and out of, out of Florida maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that we were able to recruit the East Coast as well as Bernie did. I don't think so because Bernie was exceptional. Uh, Bernie had a high level of trust with the, co- with the high school coaches back East. And, of course, we, there were so many players, such as Andre Tippett and Ronnie Harmon and Owen Gill and Norm uh, Granger. King. Uh, too many guys to count that played great football for us. And, um, and hats off to Bernie for doing such a great job of recruiting for his Iowa Hawkeyes because, of course, he was a great player uh, in some of those heavy teams. And, and uh, we miss Bernie for all he gave to the program as a player and a coach. And then we'd be remiss if we, of course, didn't acknowledge all over again. We lost Coach Brazier back in November. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did have a celebration of life for Bill uh, just last Friday. Uh, What a great football coach. What a great man. Uh, What a a man that's had a huge impact just on, not just on players, but on coaches too. Uh, One of the reasons uh, that Barry Alvarez became a great defensive coordinator, not to mention Dan McCarty, not to mention Bob Elliott, not to mention Bobby Stoops, to name a few. Mm-hmm. They all learned under Bill Brazier. Uh, and I've, I've said this publicly before. I don't know that Hayden would have taken a chance on me and invited me to come to Iowa without Bill's encouragement. I worked for Bill Brazier as an assistant DB coach at my one year at North Texas. And they didn't have to invite me to come to Iowa, but I'm so thankful they did because I had a chance to meet my wife here at school, and we wouldn't have our wonderful daughter now if it weren't for the fact that I had a chance to coach football for the Hawkeyes. And so many of those former players, of course, I had the privilege of coach. Those guys are almost like the sons I never had. Uh, it, the, the 20 years here was so meaningful for not just me, but for for Lisa and, of course, for, for Brooke, too. Brooke wasn't around for all 20, but she was around for a lot of them, that's for sure. And that's one reason she lives right here in Iowa City, too. Uh, this is our home. It feels like our home. It always has. And with a little bit of luck, it always will. I will mention this. Uh, I, I had the privilege of coaching with a great football coach at Buffalo, a name that you're familiar with, a guy by the name of Luke Tepper. Oh, yeah. Uh, Luke Tepper was one of the finest defensive coordinators in all of college football when he coached uh, in the Big Ten at Illinois. You might recall, Illinois had defenses that were second to none back in those days. Luke Tepper later coached a guy named Khalil Mack, and Khalil Mack would tell you to this day, Luke Tepper made a difference in my life. Uh, one of the things that comes to mind for me, though, his wife Karen told Lisa, she said, I'm so envious of you guys. You're going to move back to Iowa City because you are confident that the people are going to embrace you uh, and, and remind you of how much they appreciate you for all you did for Iowa football. 
And she said, we, we're not able to uh, have that same kind of confidence in moving back to Champaign because Lou was a, a great defensive coordinator. You probably recall uh, he was let go as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the same outstanding man, the same outstanding coach that he was as a coordinator. But uh, if the results aren't there, of course, as a head coach, then at some point they're not going to give you any more chances to be the head coach. And that happened to Lou. And, uh, but what a great football coach. We turned Buffalo around in our, in our third year, and um, Lou Tepper had everything to do with that. And so um, we're so fortunate that every day that I show up at any kind of public event, there are people that are kind enough to thank me for what I've done for Iowa football. And mm-hmm. It's very gratifying to know that people appreciate what you've done. And well, I feel that. Well, it's well-deserved. I go out of the house. It's well-deserved, Don. i got to ask, did you assume it? to a point that you would eventually just retire in Texas? Was that always a plan? Or when did you start to realize here, no, this is where me and my wife, this is where we're going to eventually settle down. Was that a gradual process? Well, you know, 20 years here and then 11 years at, at Western Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then five more years of coaching, of course, after my cancer treatment, uh, three years at Buffalo. I've always said this about, about um, job situations. I've always felt I could be happy living anywhere, you know, because truthfully, there are good people wherever you go, and there are bad people, too. Sure. And you just got to be sure you're able to steer clear of the bad ones. I realize it's a lot harder to steer clear of, steer clear of bad people in urban America than it is in Iowa City. Uh, but, you you know, you don't tempt fate. You don't take silly chances uh, with uh, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And... Uh, as, as my career was winding down, you know, three years in Buffalo, we love Buffalo. Buffalo is much more a Midwestern town. It's more like Chicago than it is New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of different um, uh, ethnic communities in Buffalo and and um, a lot of people that are wonderful. We've got wonderful friends in Buffalo. We're going to visit Buffalo here in August um, in part because of the friends we have there. The head coach at Buffalo is our old defensive back coach when I was coaching at Buffalo. An outstanding coach that happens to also be a Texan. Uh, most of he went to Baylor, played at Baylor, coached at Baylor. Uh, he's an outstanding young head coach, and it'll be fun to reconnect with him. Um, but as, as we wound down, then two years at UConn, and we appreciated UConn because we had UConn bowl eligible in year two, mm-hmm. uh, which was a major accomplishment. Uh, they did go to a bowl game last year, I think. I think they, they did. Yeah, Jim Moore, I did leave. Jim Moore Jr. did do pretty good. Yeah. So anyway, as we were approaching retirement, we did. We really only seriously considered two places because the thing I realized when we were on the East Coast, if we were going on vacation, we didn't go to some place that we'd never been to before. We always came back to the Midwest. You know, we came back to be near Brook. We came back to visit friends mm-hmm. that are in primarily in Iowa City and Macomb. And uh, so as we thought about it, we only seriously considered retiring. My siblings are still in Texas, but, you know, I don't need to see them uh, every day of the week. We stay in close contact regardless of whether we live nearby anyway. Uh Uh, You know, we're down in Texas at least a couple of times a year uh, to see them. So we only really seriously considered retiring in Iowa City or Macomb. Uh, And I know people would say, why, God's name, would you retire in Macomb? We've got dear friends in Macomb, too. Sure that are so dedicated to Leather Night football. And, again, I feel very appreciated for what we did in those 11 years at, 
at Western. That's the last conference championship they've won is when we were there. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's um, nice to be able to take a day trip to Macomb. We're going to go to see a Western game every fall because I just want to support the program. Sure. And as you know, Myers Hendrickson, someone I've known since he was born, he's mm-hmm. the head coach there now. Yeah. Uh, Mark Henderson's son. So having said all that, um, you know, a lower cost of living in Macomb, that's true. But let's face it, the state of Iowa has a healthier budget than the state of Illinois. Uh, and there's that's a, true. There's a, a better environment in terms of economics in Iowa City than there is in Macomb. And furthermore, uh, you've got Big Ten sports. You've got especially Big Ten football. Yep. And, of course, I love Big Ten basketball uh, I love I love Big Ten baseball because our baseball program is so much fun to watch. Yep. Um, and um, you know Rick Huddle does a great job there. I love Iowa wrestling. What's not to like about all those? And then the last the last factor for us, we have a hospital that's second to none. Yeah. You know when when I had an ablation for a uh, a heart problem, um, it's what you call an electrophysiologist. That's a fancy name for a heart doctor. You know that's a <laughs> That's a guy that understands how to rewire a heart. Uh, he's an electrician for hearts. Most hospitals are lucky to have one of them. This hospital has seven. Uh, and one of those seven was a dear friend of mine before he did the procedure on me. Uh, I was so lucky to have the kind of trusting comments in my doctor. He was my friend before he became my doctor. Um, but it all started with... A great hospital. I remember even, Pat, years ago, recruiting for Iowa. I remember mentioning the recruits back then. We have a hospital that's second to none. There are more than a 1,000 doctors in this hospital. Oh, and they're still stressing that in recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't care about health care? So our football players have the same benefit. I know Dr. Wolf. He's a wonderful physician. Uh, And, of course, if he needs expertise beyond what he knows, I think, his expertise, of course, is orthopedics. Um, then there's all kinds of experts that are just across the street that can solve any and all problems that our student athletes might have. Well, I'm sure the Iowa City Chamber of Commerce is going to appreciate these comments. You should, you should, you, you should be a representative for them because no, you said it so well about what makes Iowa City special. And Bill Brazier, you know, he didn't move back to Texas either. He he stayed he stayed in the same house. That he didn't yes. he did he stay at the same house all 40, 50 years he was up here? Yes, that's the same house they moved into when they first arrived. Incredible. And and Bill Brazier had the same satisfaction I did. Every time that Bill Brazier met an Iowa fan, he got the distinct yep. impression that they appreciated all he'd done for Iowa football. Because yep. they were quick to thank him for what he'd done. Uh, and I'm quick to thank him for all he did for myself and Lisa. Uh, because... Uh, Bill and Ann were with us the day we were married, and they were with us um, to know Brooke as a as a small child. And and um, you know, Brooke grew up knowing Bill and Ann Brazier, you know, because they were such dear friends of ours. Uh, we're lucky to have those kind of friendships, and I know you have dear friends in town too, Pat. That you wouldn't trade for anything. Sure, I mean, well, it's part of life, and also got a few enemies, but yeah. hey, that's that's part of life too. But no, Don, and well one said. Other comment relating to Iowa football. We do have a chance to remind those recruits wherever they are, but especially those in Texas, we're the Dallas Cowboys of Iowa. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a big deal. You know, when you play football for Iowa, you're reminded by the fans every time out 
you reminded that it's a special place to play. It really is. And that's true for other sports, too. Our baseball team will have good support um, with the next games they play right here in town, too. Yep. Well said as usual, Don. Great insight as usual. Um, I appreciate you coming on. I didn't give you much notice. I called him yesterday. We had talked about doing this a while back, but I should have called you sooner. But I appreciate you coming on. I know our listeners love hearing from you. And look forward to doing the 2023 season with you again because I think it's going to be a fun season. And you and Lisa, you guys enjoy your enjoy your trips. You say you're going to head out to Buffalo when? We're going to go. We have a family reunion that, that we're um... – Mia, Lisa's sister, there are only two two girls in the family. Uh, Mia's idea, we lost Mia's husband a couple of years ago, and it's a reminder for all of us that we're not all going to be around forever. No, so, you're right. Uh, we make an effort every year to have get together for a, a family reunion, if you will. We're a very small family. We're a family of three. Of course, Burke being our only child, and then you've got Mia, and then you've got uh, Burke does have a boyfriend that might be included if he if he continues to treat her like he does. Okay. Uh, as, <laughs> okay. as, uh, someone that he respects yeah. and appreciates. Okay. Uh, we might invite him all over again. And um, and then beyond that, of course, we have uh, Lisa has, has uh, aunts and uncles that are that are near and dear to her heart. And for that matter, I feel the same way about them. They're in their later years, too. They went to bowl games for all those 20 years at Iowa to support our team. They've been to Kennegan any number of times. They live in Whiting, Indiana, but they're you know, they're in their 80s now, so that's another reason to stay in the Midwest is sure. to stay connected to the little bit of family that we do have. Well, And um, we've, we've told Brooke, you know, she loved Kansas City. She lived there for seven years. Uh, and now with her job, she can really live anywhere, you know, because of so many Zoom calls. Um, Johnson & Johnson's happy to uh, let her live wherever she wants to live because she's only a plane ride away. She does have to fly a fair amount, but uh, Zoom calls eliminate a lot of travel, so... Um, she's seven miles away. That's as far as she could be away from us and still be in Iowa City. We're on the extreme west side. And in her mind, we lost our minds when we moved over here because that's too far from City High. Um, as a true City High grad, she still wants to be on the east side of town, so she's seven miles away. She's about as far away as she can be and still be in town. Well, I'm on the east side. I love uh, the east side, but I used to live on the west side. There's so many good places to live here in town. But, Don, I appreciate it. You guys, enjoy, I'll, I'll, I'll stay in touch, of course, um, but you guys enjoy the spring and summer and um, appreciate it again. Thanks for coming on. You bet. Our fans should never lose sight of the fact we have a lot to look forward to. I agree. Because one, if there's one thing you've learned uh, about football, you don't get style points. It's really just a, a, a bottom-line situation. You either win or you lose. And we have a good tradition of finding ways to win. And sometimes it's ugly, but if it ends up as a W, it's still okay. You and we're going to have some of those in the fall, and we're going to be happy to to get by with another close, hard-fought win. All right, that's what good teams do; they win close games. They sure do. And I got a feeling this team's going to be defined just like last year's team. This year's team's going to be defined as another good team. All right, Donnie, appreciate it. Like I said, and enjoy the rest of spring and summer. And I'll I'll stay in touch. Take care. I enjoyed it. Take All care. right, you bet. Yep. Bye bye. You guys can talk now. Say something. It's time for a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, t- 
So we got to take two breaks now before the show's over, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but it's mostly just coasting from this point on. Though. Oh, yeah. The heavy coast. lifting's already been done. It's already downhill. Don and I carried the show. Yeah. You and Hunter are just kind of hanging on. <laughs> Hanger-ons. That's, that's, that's us completely. All right, let's yeah. take a break. The $99 Stay, Play, and Win package is back at Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Clinton. For a very limited time, $99 gets you a one-night stay and up to $50 in free play and dining credit at Wild Rose in Clinton during the month of May. Yeah, we're giving out our May Day baskets early. You can only take advantage of this offer by reserving your stay over the phone. Call 563-243-9000. That's 563-243-9000. Book your stay and claim up to $50 in free play and dining credit for just $99. Everyone's a winner with this package. Offer is good in May only, and rooms are limited. When they're gone, they're gone. Reserve your date today at Wild Rose Casino and Hotel in Clinton. Call 563-243-9000. That's 563-243-9000. Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Clinton. You'd rather be here. one 800 rose your FTD florist, is the only number you need to know to send flowers anywhere in the country or Canada from anywhere in the country. one 800 rose It's so easy. Just remember one number. one 800 rose your FTD florist. one 800 rose Remember... For a gift that your loved one will treasure for a lifetime, find it at our family-owned jewelry store in Iowa City, Pertine and Stocker Jewelers. We can show you diamond engagement rings, colored stones, fashion jewelry, and watches. Our jewelers are on site, so we can design jewelry for that special person in your life. We are Hertine and Stocker, serving Iowa City and the surrounding area for three generations. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, downtown Iowa City, and HertineandStockerJewelers.com. Ask for Willa, Terry, Tim, or Kate. One of us is always there. Over the years, car keys have gotten extremely complex. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can generate the most technically advanced automotive keys on the market today. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can produce most conventional transponder, sidewinder, and remote-headed keys. If you've lost the keys to your car or simply need a duplicate, call 330-9185. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars has the technology to keep you on the road. Call 330-9185 and schedule an appointment today. Hey, Iowa, we want your trade-ins. It's that simple. Sedan. Coops, SUVs, vans, trucks. We want them all. At Gary Ford in Iowa City. If you don't need it, don't want it, can't afford it, we'll pay top market value for your trade. If you've got a trade, you've got a deal. 0% financing available, plus huge discounts on over 60 new vehicles in stock. So bring us your trade and we want them all. Gary Ford in Iowa City. Hurry in or shop online at GaryFord.com. GT Car, owner of Supel Siding and Remodeling, offers service and quality that is unmatched in the area. At Supel Siding and Remodeling, their trained professionals will install and guarantee the products used in any size job done. Regardless of the project, Supel Siding and Remodeling will stand behind their quality products and installation with exceptional customer service. Whether it's a window replacement, a kitchen remodel, or a house addition, our employees are committed to quality. Visit sales at suples.net or call 337-2246. 
When you go to a family restaurant, you want three things. One, a wide selection of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items. Two, you want those selections to be affordable and delicious. And three, you want to be treated like family. You get all three at the Midtown Family Restaurant. Breakfast items available anytime the doors are open. Legendary tenderloins, onion rings, and hot roast beef sandwiches. And special ribeye and shrimp nights. Daily specials at each location. And no matter if you're coming in solo or with a group of 20, you get the same special family treatment. The Midtown Family Restaurants at Court and Scott Streets and at the Walmart Plaza on Highway 1 West. Follow them on Facebook or at MidtownFamily.com. The family's waiting for you. Is replacing that uneven sidewalk or driveway still on your to-do list? Well, don't replace it. Raise it. Choose Concrete Polyfix, Eastern Iowa's premier polyurethane concrete razors. Repair your sunken concrete in just a few hours and start using again that day. Call them at 319-535-2401 for your free estimate. Their top-of-the-line technology and equipment creates minimal mess and extraordinary result. Want fast, easy concrete repair that will last for years to come? Give them a call. Concrete Polyfix, 319-535-2401, or visit them online at ConcretePolyfix.com. Car won't steer? Call Premier. Premier Automotive in North Liberty offers full-service mechanical auto repair work in addition to being Eastern Iowa's most trusted name in auto body repair. Use Premier for all your auto repair needs. Brakes, oil changes, air conditioning, diagnostics, transmissions, or preventive maintenance. Whether you hit a deer or your car won't steer, see Premier Automotive in North Liberty. Downtown Iowa City's best new restaurant and bar is Players Sports Bar and Grill. From Big Burger Mondays, Tex-Mex Tacos, and a variety of soups, salads, and vegetarian options as well. Players Sports Bar and Grill also features their famous Chicago Dog and the Iowa Dog, an all-beef bacon-wrapped hot dog smothered in corn relish, bacon, and ranch. Located at 219 Iowa Avenue, Players Sports Bar and Grill has both socially distanced dine-in and carry-out through Chomp Delivery. Daily deals and full menu options are on the website, playersic.com, or place an order at 319-800-2199. That's 319-800-2199. Players Sports Bar and Grill. Great food, craft cocktails, and the ultimate place to watch your favorite sporting events. From the Hurting and Stalker Studios in the heart of the Hawkeye Nation, this is the mighty 1630 KCJJ Iowa City. Hurting and Stalker Jewelers, making memories, making It is frosty out there this morning, but we're going to climb back into the 50s today. It'll be partly cloudy with a high of 56 this afternoon. The wind out of the southwest at 5 to 15. Scattered showers tonight are low down to 42 tomorrow, mostly cloudy. We could see a shower or two, especially in the morning, high of 58. Wednesday back to 60 by Thursday. Partly cloudy with a high climbing back up to around 64. I'm meteorologist Sean Cable on the mighty 1630 KCJJ. Outside now, it's 46. KCJJ Weather, brought to you by Plum Supply. Plum Supply, kitchens and baths, your home never looks so beautiful. We're back. Yes, we are. How about that? Take it away, Pat. <laughs> I've done my part. I'm riding hey, your guys' you tails. Wanna, you I think to, we all rode Don Patterson's uh, coattails this wanna, last hour. You want to talk uh, Twitter for a second? Not really. Why? What happened? Um, the county, uh, Travis Weipert sent me the uh, emails, the county 
wanted a county verification, which is a gray mark that they usually add. Mm -hmm. uh, and Twitter wants uh, for the counties, the governmental agencies, to pay $1,000. A year. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I re they want to do that with all yeah. organizations like that. Yeah. He's, I mean, I know some people worship him. I mean, it seems like his like and dislike has become political. The right wing seems like the mostly the right wing people worship him because let's face it, that's what he's parodying. I mean, he's yeah. he's been pushing a right wing agenda, and that's fine. That's whatever. I mean, you know, that's his right. But I think it's funny that these people won't acknowledge that Twitter now sucks <laughs> because he's owning the libs, and that you know that's all they care about. Well, and, but yeah, I'm and the blue check mark. I'm not getting one, and I don't. Does well, it, he's giving it to dead people. Yes, and um, but I don't really think if I get the blue check mark, that's not going to make it easier for me to engage. It's not going to make a difference. No, is it? it's just going to put money. He's trying to figure out ways to make money for a thing that he just completely has destroyed no, and, and paid way too much for. Well, and all the advertisements you're seeing, uh, they're paying bottom right. They're, they're, it's as, it's lower than Twitter. Do you think he's going to try to dump it and sell it to somebody? Yes, he's already said he'd be he would entertain a, a bid. Uh, well, I read something I can't remember that saying they think he would have trouble selling it for more than four for low billion, like four like four billion would might be, be a stretch. I don't know, but yeah. where it's it was appraised now like at twenty billion, and that's if somebody's willing to pay for it. Yeah, if somebody's I mean, willing, that's, to pay there's for a big it. difference between what it's appraised for and what you can get for it, and so. Hello. Hello. <clears throat> Pat, you and Dom did a real good job. <clears throat> What's that? But <clears throat> I was going to say, if people you that did a good oh. job. stay away from some of those things because it was cold. I'm an old dude, and I went over to the football thing, got in there <laughs> at 10 o'clock, stayed there for the whole thing. After it was over, it went over to the baseball game, stayed there for the whole thing, was dressed warm enough that I never once got cold. All right. Well, you're you're a tough one. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I'm Devoted. a tough old dude. So, <laughs> but I saw people come in in sweatshirts. I mean, come on. Do you know what the weather is? Exactly. Yeah, I wore an old winter coat, one that I've had like 20 years, and it doesn't look good, but it's warm. It's got fur inside, and I need it. It was cold. I had two winter coats on. <laughs> I, I put one winter coat on, then I took my husband's one and put that on over the top of the other one, and I was I was warm, and I enjoyed all three baseball games. Yeah, well, they swept. It was good stuff. Yeah, it was. We had good pitching out of Marcus, and we had good pitching yesterday. Marcus and, has had three. Uh, Marcus has had three straight quality starts right now. That's big. That's yeah. very significant. He's pitching well. So anyway, you can enjoy things if you just know how to dress. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, guys. Well, have a good day. You, you too. too. Mm -hmm, bye. So I was uh, fourth in the baseball standings. I mean, they're tied with Nebraska now at seven and five in conference. Yeah, there's but... like four teams at seven and five. Yeah, but I mean, oh, they've got it, a better overall record because of... it's hard to even. The standings right now are so. Yeah, it's all bunched up. Bunched up to where you, this thing will sort itself out. But that was huge. I mean, I asked Rick if it was a must-win series, and he said, he goes, you know, we want to win them all. And I figured that's a you know, typical <laughs> coaching. But it was. I mean, it, you could say it was a must-win series. They did it. Now they're back in play. And, 
They still project as an NCAA team. Now they got to go out to Penn State, and if they 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 got to avoid losing this series. They Penn State's not a great team. They're okay. No, they're five and seven in conference. But this is a series where they need to win at least two or three, I think, to keep this momentum going. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Pat. Mm-hmm. Is um, Iowa the only Big Ten team that uh, wasn't the spring game wasn't televised? I have no idea. I sorry. I, I don't know. I don't know which ones were where all the others were televised. Oh, yeah. I mean, almost all of them. Well, I, part of that is because Iowa doesn't do a – they don't do a spring game. I mean, they, they – I mean, they, yes, Saturday's practice only lasted about an hour and 40 minutes, and there was never a point where they were even going full speed. The defense never was – there was maybe one or two plays. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people want to watch that when the other teams are all doing scrimmages, games. Do you think that would ever hurt, like, recru- recruiting since no. they're not on TV? I mean, if a, kid, if a kid's making his decision on whether a spring practice is on TV or not, then no, I, I, no, I don't think that would be a factor at all. There's way other, way more important factors that would go into decisions like that. I, uh, I watched a little bit of Colorado's spring game, and Dion <laughs> had a, uh, a gold whistle and a cowboy hat on. A white cowboy yeah, hat. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he's do, he does it his way. Kirk does it his way. I think both ways can work now. We'll see. I mean, I, I got to see if Dion can make Colorado successful again. He's, they, they had 47,000 people there for the spring practice uh, game, more than the last nine seasons combined. Yeah, and Nebraska, <laughs> I mean, and there's, Nebraska brings, they get 60,000. For some schools, it's a big deal. Kirk does not make the spring practice final game, final practice a big deal. It's just not important to him. But, yeah, as far as the television, I would imagine that Iowa's down low on the list of options because they don't play anything close to a scrimmage. Some of these other teams play actual games like Iowa used to, but that's just not the way Kirk likes to do it, and that's his prerogative. And, no, I don't think they even practiced two hours on um, Saturday, which was fine because it was cold. And, and, and there was probably three, that three 4,000 fans there. It was a typical spring Ending for Hawkeye football, but but yeah, Dion right now is pushing all the PR buttons. He's got a great personality. He's been successful so far at Jackson State. We'll see what he does at Colorado. This is a much different circumstance. He's got a lot of great players that have transferred there that he's added. He's also lost, like I said, he lost two key receivers. My guess is there's other guys coming in that are going to supplant these guys, but there are two two Colorado receivers out there in the portal now, and I'm sure Iowa fans are all wondering on Twitter if they're going to have a chance to get either one of them because Kirk did say that they need to add to the receiver group from the portal. That is one thing he acknowledged after Saturday's practice, that that's what they're going to try to do. But that's easier said than done, especially when you have Iowa's track record with receivers. I mean, it's going to be – it's a tough sell right now if you're a wide receiver. to try to. try The one thing they can guarantee you if you're pretty good is you're going to play a lot, but you may play in games that are 9-6 to six and 6-4. to four. And, I mean, they threw seven touchdown passes last year. As an offense, yeah. seven. Uh, I believe Chuck Hartley threw seven in one game one time against Northwestern, <laughs> or six or something. So, yeah, no, wow. there, 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 there's some obstacles yeah. that they have to overcome, so we'll see. But you sounded optimistic in your article. Uh, well, I do. Th- uh, well, I, more optimistic than I expected. Uh, more optimistic to. than I expected after I left because I do like what they have at four positions, but a lot of it, too, is their schedule. Their schedule, like Don explained in detail, is very favorable. Now, they got to keep McNamara healthy. And McNamara has to play well, too. He has to play to a certain level that I'm expecting him to play at. I'm, I'm not expecting him to be like he was at Michigan because he's not going to have as good a supporting cast. But when I, what I wrote was I think they have a better chance of going 9-3 and three than 7-5. and five. That's kind of what my column was about. Now, 
that's also making the assumption that the offensive line isn't going to be worse than it was last year. It was hard to judge the offensive line. Saturday's guys were out. They weren't going full speed. But I do think the offensive line, if it can just take a small step forward and just be average, that that will be significant. So, so yeah, no, I think if right now, if I was picking a team to win the West right now, it would be Iowa for lots of reasons. And what, like Don brought up, Ohio State and Michigan aren't on the schedule, plus three of Iowa's biggest rivals in the West are all going through coaching changes. And sometimes that first year is not successful. There's a transition period. So I think there's a lot of stuff working in Iowa's favor to where, I, like I said, I think this is a better chance of going nine or ten wins as opposed to six or seven wins. That's kind of where I'm at right now. And so we'll see. Yeah. Homer. Yeah, you're a homer. Homer. That's homer. what I thought. I Ferenc read that Apo- article. I like it when people call me a Ferentz apologist. And then, <laughs> yeah. then he's, I'm a Ferentz apologist, and yet his son-in-law blocks me on Twitter. That's how much of an apologist I am. You know? So I'm not either. I'm, I don't, I'm not typecasting either. I just write No, I just I, read the article, and I thought that was a pretty good article, and you, <clears throat> you were more optimistic than I, than mm-hmm. I thought you'd be. And like I said, if I had to pick a record for them right now, it'd probably be nine and three, maybe ten and two, if they can beat Iowa State. Which I don't. A lot of Iowa fans, I think, are making the mistake and thinking that's a that is not a given. I mean, they lost to him this last year at home, but and if they can beat Iowa State, I think because I do think they're going to go at least six and three in conference play. I think that will that's I think that will be maybe seven and two. They're not, I don't think they're going to lose to Utah State or Western Michigan. Those to me are two very winnable games. And like Don said, Penn State's the only team they play that was ranked, that finished last year ranked. And it's, it's a very, very favorable schedule, and they have to take advantage of that because once 24 comes, all bets are off. Things are going to get a lot more challenging with USC and UCLA, and I, McNamara, I'm assuming, will probably be gone. I know he could technically play two years, I believe, but I'm guessing if, if, he, has a, if he plays somewhat well and they have success – I'm guessing he's going to want to try a new challenge after that, but we'll see. But, no, yeah, I am somewhat optimistic. Do I think they're going to beat Ohio State or Michigan? No, I'm not that optimistic. Do I think they can win at Penn State? Yeah. I mean, I, I, would I pick them to win at Penn State right now? Probably not. That's probably one of the losses I have for them. But, like you said, after that, I think all the games, you could make a strong case that they could be favored. It's hard to know what Wisconsin's going to be in the first year under Luke Fickle. i got to – wait and see what they're going to do. I think there could be some growing pains for Wisconsin, and they weren't very good last year, so we'll see. So there you go. Homer. Homer. <laughs> but yeah, and it was fun watching Iowa baseball. It was a little cold yesterday, but Iowa baseball swept Nebraska. So they went from trailing Nebraska by three games in the conference standings, and now they're tied with Nebraska at 7-5. and five. That was, it was a huge series for baseball. Sadly, the softball team, I believe, lost all three games. They did. Did they score one run in the three games combined? Um, I'm not sure. I know they scored a run yesterday. I think they got shut out in the first two games. So, they're, I mean, the softball's been kind of one step forward, one step back. I think they're like eight and nine. And they're eight and nine in the conference, 28 and 20 overall. And then they play, um, they host Rutgers this weekend. Rutgers is, isn't the greatest. Well, then they need to win this series, They obviously. certainly do. But yeah, that's unfortunate. That's not good to go up to because that was not a great Minnesota team, weren't they? Six and six. Yeah. Going into that series. Well, yeah, they right now they're in sole possession of fourth place in the Big Ten. Yeah, that was a step back for Hawkeye softball, unfortunately. Yeah. So, but hey, got to keep grinding, right, Captain? You keep grinding. Is that what you do? <laughs> grinding. Are you grinding every right now? Freaking day. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right now. 
<laughs> Are you grinding right at this moment? No, I'm not. Grinding could be... I'm coming to a halt. Grinding could carry a lot of different meanings, Yes. Too. I'm sure our listeners are like, yeah, let's hope, yeah. hope they don't go any more detail on that. <laughs> if he's grinding the way you're alluding to, I don't want to know either. No. That grinded that grind it some time ago. You think Suter's grinding right now? You think he's hopefully he's not listening today. Think, hopefully they listen to Don to get their Hawkeye football fix. They are and, listening and, all the time. And now I hope they're sitting at like some uh, oceanside uh, place having a nice lunch or brunch and just holding hands and just being happy that they're together. That's what I wish for Tom and Ann. I'm not making fun of them. I'm, I'm supporting them. <laughs> well, I don't know that they need it, but yes. You don't think I'm being sincere? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, you don't think it sounds sincere? Uh, I hope nothing but the best for them. Hey, they're glad they're gone now. It sounds like where they live, that area is just one big construction there. Oh, yeah. They live right yeah. off of Rita Lynn. Oh, it's no, a disaster it's, up there. No, it is. I mean, I just stay away from there. It they is. should give driver's ed tests up there. <laughs> Obstacle course. Obstacle course. There's a lot of construction right now. No, and it's going to be for some Well, um, Rochester's been under construction for two years. Yeah. Right. I mean, when does it, when's it going to end? They're supposedly going to have it completely, completely done next spring. So what are they doing? All the under, underground? They're doing all the underground stuff okay. now, and then they're going to pave. Uh, and then all the, the peripheral stuff will be done in the spring next year. Yeah, so. those poor people on Rochester, though. And I'm guessing... Their property taxes have gone up just like mine has. Oh, I'm sure. God. Ours went up. It's well, a, and ours went up here. Well, see, now that I know my house payment's over $100 more than it was last year, I'm pissed. I didn't put two and two together until I actually <laughs> saw them next to each. I'm like, wait a second. I'm paying $120 more a month now. It's all property tax. My mm-hmm. home insurance went up like 12 bucks. Okay, no offense to us here, but why did ours go up? Here? Yeah. It should go down. Do they see what we live with out here? <laughs> Are they charging you for potholes? <laughs> Evidently. Evidently, they're considering a residence. Mine went up $1,400. Isn't that pretty significant? Yes. And I, ju- I did the math. I'm not very good in math, but I had some help. With what I was paying previously, my property taxes, I believe, went up like 37%. That's my, significant. My appraisal. So did mine. Everybody's did. Everybody. Yeah. Mine went up $63,000 from just last year. I think ours... Everybody's doing that, though. They're doing it to everyone because that's how they're going to make money, right? Yeah. They're taxing us. Yeah. And is this COVID-related? Is uh, this Fauci's n- fault? N- no. This is, <laughs> this is Jail Fauci. This is the... Regi- the Warren Register's fault? No, the uh, Republican Party. Oh, Trump. It's Trump's fault. Well, it's they're not trying- Trump's fault. It's the legislature here. They're trying to pass a property tax reform yeah. bill that would uh, limit the increase to 3% a year. Yeah, after they raise it up. 37%. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so this is just, it's smoke and mirrors. That's of course what it, it is. is. Of course it is. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. But yeah, I didn't I didn't even put two and two together until I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. That shows you how much I watch things. I'm like, wow. Then I, like I said, it adds up to about $1,400 a year. But when I got my appraisal, I actually talked to a couple of my neighbors are like, did you get your house? I'm like, yeah, same thing. They're like, God, mine went up. I mean, $80,000. I mean, well, then if you're a renter, you know, the apartment buildings are all going to get assessed. Is your rent going up? Yeah. Well, when I, I haven't rented for over 20 years, but I remember renting almost every year. It would go up like 25 bucks. Yeah. Almost every year. The last, I think the last time I rented was 2000. 2001 i was out at boston way and it was not a bad place yeah. it was a fourplex that hadn't turned into subsidized housing yet but the the area was starting to get rough 
a little bit. And I was ready to buy a home anyway. But I, I remember back in the 80s, Boston Way was, those were, oh, yeah. those were nice places that, you know, um, college students would look forward to living off campus. Now it's just, isn't it one of your crime sites? Yes, and deservedly so. <laughs> yes, no, it was just starting to do that when I left. There was just get you'd get you know a fourplex unit with like a fifteen people living in there. The one I lived in, you could only have two people living per unit. It was still one of the last bastions of sanity out there. But like I said, that was twenty years ago. It's been a long time. Our appraisal went from like one ninety something to what almost two eighty. That's that's pretty significant. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and, but know. yeah, but that's, that's and, and what's it, it pisses me off is uh, where it went from family homes. Now we've got rentals on mm-hmm. on the on the street. See, we don't have that. You know, and I think we have one house maybe, but we've got a, an ordinance in our neighborhood. You can't have more than three people living in a house unless you're family. You have to be family. When I first moved in there. I was renting out the upstairs to a couple of people that I worked with at the paper, uh, a husband and wife while they were, they had, they were just on the verge of getting married. And I lived in the basement to begin with. And I had a weekend, someone knocked on my door from the city saying, Hey, we just want to make sure you're following code. And I'm like, what's the code? And then I, well, I explained the situation. Yes. And my guess is somebody in the neighborhood must've narked you narked on me, <laughs> wondering, you know, what's going on here. But yeah, my neighborhood, they're really strict. You got to be Yet family. Hardy. You can't have more than three people living in a house unless you're family. I think a lot of Iowa city neighborhoods are like that, aren't they? Yours obviously isn't. No, it isn't because we had, but that causes property value to go down and just yeah. what they appraise your house at. That doesn't mean you could sell it at that. I'm not a fool thinking that I could, I mean, I would ask for that, but that these appraisals doesn't, that's not what you necessarily you could get for your house. No. Didn't the legislature go after Iowa City with that, with rental properties a few years back? Yeah, where they they tried to limit them. To how so certain... And uh, the state said you can't do that. Right. And the state won. Yeah. Well, well neighborhoods must be able to do it. Houses. Because like I said, they, they do it in my neighborhood. I don't know. Do you think they still do? Well, that was 15 years ago when I moved in. Yeah, so, I... But I don't, like I said, there's no there's not a house in our block. There might be one house that's a rental, but that's a uh, husband and wife with a kid, mm-hmm. and it's owned by the Watts Group. But every other house is family, and there's no yeah, – and like, I don't know. They could do it 15 years ago because, like I said, yeah. they knocked on my door wanting to know who was living in my house. <laughs> well, we got decent neighbors now, and I think it's still a rental, but um, we had like a party house just yeah. right across – yeah, see, I don't. That's that makes that would make it harder to sell. You don't want a bunch of and party then, houses. And then this uh, a woman moved in with her family, and uh, and you know I wear the hearing aids, so I take them out at night, uh, and I could still hear the bass coming out of this house. What what music? Uh, Vanilla Ice, uh, Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> no, it was like really bad white rock. You know, kid rock <laughs> crap like that okay. yeah. and uh i remember the whole neighborhood got together it was like an ice cream social only they all got together at five o'clock one tuesday night when errands came and pulled all the stereo <laughs> out of there <laughs> so that's one nice thing about living in my i can crank my stereo as loud as i want and i doubt my neighbors could hear it i'll probably do that today go home and crank crank the tunes that's one nice thing about living in in living in your own house but yeah i don't know if they still have that ordinance i don't know if they've outlawed that i don't or, know but i don't no, think I would, they can i don't think they can 
Well, they could do it 15 years ago because yeah, they, they, they did could it. do it. 15, this was just past what in the last three, four years, three or four years, I think. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, I but I understand both sides of it. I I don't want a house in my neighborhood to turn into a rental with five, 10 people living there. That's no, that causes were, the property value. We to go thought down. that there were seriously, um, we thought there were like eight kids living in. That there. causes the property value to go down. Yeah, well, not here. It doesn't obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, like I said, um, I'm not worried about that now, but. I think it would be harder to sell. Well, and some, unfortunately, and I don't think it's fair, some, just the name of the street you live on brings up stereotypes, too. Sure. Yeah. There's certain areas of town where, oh, you live over there, huh? you're never going to sell your place. Now, I don't know about that, but because um, um, I remember when I told somebody I was moving to the east side, they're like, oh, wow. Like, like, I mean, the area I live in, is it's so calm, and it's well, so great our, place to raise a family. Our neighborhood's, for the most part, pretty Pretty so minus about. all the gun comments you make, you're just joking about it's bullets. Across line. for fireworks. Yeah, you live you live on the southeast side of Iowa yeah, City, and, and it's across the highway. And do you think the stereotype that the southeast side gets is fair, or do you think it's yes. blown out of proportion? <laughs> no, it's fair. Okay, well, that's pretty common in your area, except for fireworks season. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're saying the property value is worth more. You know, Coralville and Iowa City spend about. Fourteen to sixteen thousand a year for fireworks on the Fourth of July, and then I can go home and see fireworks being shot off of Broadway for like weeks. Yeah, see, I don't have to deal with any of that. I mean, the closest thing we had was the Casey's. The person getting hit—they've caught that person. Not that I know of. I'm surprised they have not caught whoever that was that did that not with not all the security that. cameras. And I still have to wonder if the worker knew the. And that's, I'm sure there's. I've only been there one. I mean, well, um, should I say this on the air? It's, they don't advertise with us. Can they sue me? It's all true what I'm saying. I went in there the other day, and the lady, bless her heart, older lady working the the cash register, she was cleaning the men's bathroom with the door open, and there was a lady waiting to use the men's bathroom wearing a hairnet and a robe and slippers, and she kept looking at me and laughing. And I'm like, Okay, she's staring at me, so I'm uncomfortable. I'm like, this lady in a hairnet and a robe and slippers is laughing at me like I'm the freak. And then the lady was on her, the, the lady running the cash register was on her knees, scrubbing around. Uh, there must have been some accident in the bathroom. But then I was wondering, okay, why is this woman not waiting to use the women's bathroom? Maybe it was shut down. And then this poor lady, I don't know if I, she went straight from cleaning that toilet right back out to the counter. And I'm not sure if she washed her hands or not. Oh, God. But luckily, all the stuff I was buying, she didn't touch other than the carton of the six-pack of beer. So when I came home, I took all the bottles out of the beer and disinfected them. <laughs> it was not a good situation, though. It was. We were uh, traveling uh, to Texas, and we stopped at a Casey's. I think it was in Kansas. And um, they've got, you know, wear your mask and all this crap. And we go into this place. No one had a mask. Well, why are you wearing masks now? Or is this... This was... During COVID? During COVID. And I went into the bathroom, and I really had to go. And I just opened up the door and looked at that place, and I said... I came out to the car, and I said, I don't care if my bladder explodes. So did you end up just going in your pants? I, uh, yes, that's what I did. <laughs> you did? Right <laughs> out of the car seat. All right. Right in my pants. <laughs> Jesus. 
But no, I mean, I do still see a lot of people wearing masks. That's their business. I'm not well, going to yeah. wear a mask now. And if, if nobody's told me, hey, put your mask on, because I'd just be like, mind your own business. I wore masks when we were told to wear masks. No, yeah. I didn't fight the system. I didn't think it was no, a hoax or deep state. I'm vaxxed, yeah. but I'm not wearing masks again. now. Okay. But I still see a lot of people wearing masks. Yeah. And that's their business. Yeah. And they may have issues outside of COVID, too. You don't know. I don't no. need... But no, I have not worn a mask lately. I still see a lot of people with high B wearing masks. Yeah, I yep, see them, me too. too. Yeah. yeah. And it may not all be yeah. COVID-related. They may have other issues going on. That is their business. Yeah. That is the uh, office line. Well, ain't that something? Uh, you may be missing a big sale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where is everybody? Huh? It's us, and uh, Molly will be here. Where's Deb? Uh, she, she was Suter and Ann down earlier. Oh, she was here earlier? Yeah. Yeah, yeah hopefully out selling. Well, no, you didn't, well, we didn't listen just, to her. Just answer that phone. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, isn't Iowa City an interesting town, Pat? <laughs> um, yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Continue on. Oh, <laughs> well, that. Are you glad you answered that? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's that's that solved every, that, that summed up everything in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, Iowa I mean, City's an interesting. It's town. an interesting town. It can at times be a boring town. I mean, it's you know. I mean, do you ever get bored here in Iowa City? Uh, no. You never get bored. I don't really get bored. Well, yeah, but you're not. You're, you're you know you go out to eat and that's like heaven for you. I mean. You don't you don't ask for much out of life. Ah, uh, you should have seen the dinner we had at, at Oxio? Oxio. Was it good? Unbelievable. Greatest ever. Uh the chicken is the greatest, the greatest ever. ever. Yeah. And then what's Wild Rose Casino? Huh? What's it's the best uh casino ever. 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 <laughs> and so what was so great about this chicken? It's just really good. It's like homemade. It's it's not like, you know. I'm making chicken on the grill today. I'm going to uh, marinate in barbecue sauce this and put them on the grill this afternoon. This was fried and I like fried all the sides. and It just was good. I got to hit Wild Rose, though. I'm thinking about this weekend I may drive over and check it out over yeah, in Clinton. Suter's been there. They've Suter's been a, there. He liked it. Got a great yeah, he liked deal. it a lot. Yeah. They got what? Great deal. It's like $99 uh, uh, overnight stay. Yeah. And you get like $50 in chips to they play. They do a lot of stuff like that. They yeah, have a lot of um, customer-friendly yeah. events. For, that's for May, and you've got until Thursday. That's why we're running all the spots talking about that. No, Tom liked it, and he even said that before yeah. they started averaging. He, he, he and Ann really enjoyed it. And they like casinos. and um, But, yeah, no, I appreciate all the support from Wild Rose Casino. Yeah. And they've been big for the website. We've got them on our podcast. They're on top of our banner ad. And they've been, we've had a lot of other um, gambling sites that have reached out to us about running their material on our site. And they're willing to pay money. But right now, Wild Rose has the exclusive. I don't want to do anything to sure. upset them. And no, anyone listening, if you want a place to go for something, I mean, Clinton's not that far. I mean, you can get over there in about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. It's well worth the drive. It's something something to do. Plus, like Jim said, you, there's a hotel right there. You can yeah. you can make a night of it, yeah. make a weekend of it. Mm-hmm. You know. So, and I know a couple of people that have done that. They went and stayed at the hotel. They say it's good food, fair price, and you know, just a lot going on. There's a lot of good restaurants in in Clinton. Clinton too. Yeah. yeah, you know, I've never been to Clinton, not that I'm aware of. So this will be a, a groundbreaking experience for me to, to <laughs> you don't even go to Coralville. <laughs> not much. I have. I was there. I went. I was there. Um, I, oh, I went out to the mall because I had to get a new pair of shoes. And I actually went to the 
Taco John's. Yeah. I went to the top and got, I didn't get potato LA's. I just got two tacos. Why? Because I had eaten early. I wasn't overly hungry, but I just had, I'm like, ah, eh, since I'm by there, I want to get a couple of their tacos. I got to be hungry to eat those Olays. I mean, I like them, but they're pretty filling. I'd rather get the Olays than the tacos. Oh, see, I would. <laughs> I mean, I like them both, but yeah, I just. Tacos got, are good. Don't get me wrong. I just I like, like tacos. Them. But yeah, I was out at the, I was out at the mall. I had they really there. do. They're so much better than. Uh, Taco Bell. Well, I'm got to be a little biased. I have a relative who's a big wig with Taco Bell. So, oh well, they're they're the best. I, to be ever. honest with you, I could I could eat either one. I mean, I do think Taco Bell maybe has a little broader, wider menu selection. They have a, so many oh yeah different things. But yeah, my um my niece's husband runs like eighty of them in in Northeast Ohio. His wow. uh, daughter uh, runs Famous Dave's in Davenport. Okay, have you heard I, of Dave? I, I, I've had their barbecue sauce before. Yeah, I've, yeah, they their yeah. their restaurant's awesome. But yeah, no, Gary, he runs a lot. No, actually, it might be more than eighty. He runs like all. The, he's the general manager of all these Taco Bells in Northeast Ohio. They live near Cleveland. Hello. Good morning, Captain Steve, Pat Hardy, and good morning, Captain Steve and Pat Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> and, Jim, and Jim Hunter, can't forget about you. Oh, you, well, you just did. Yeah, you screw forget. off. You screw <laughs> off, Sutter, Justin. Screw <laughs> off. How you all? How you all doing? Today? Well, I was better than uh, I was until you called. You feel disrespected? Oh, absolutely. This moron I'm drives sorry. me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jim. You're, you're whatever. Still, uh, just not only does he acknowledge a, Suter, but he gives Suter a middle name recognition. Yeah, just I, well, I don't. He doesn't need to know my middle name. Nor what, does he what, need to know mine. Why does he know Suter's middle name? Why do you know Suter's middle name? Because Captain Steve always says, "Good morning, Thomas Michael Suter." Really? So that's how I know uh, I his middle know. name. Wow, I've been here 15 years and don't recall ever hearing that. <laughs> sorry, Jim. We're. I hope we're. Uh, I hope we're, I hope we're still buddies. <laughs> I like you just as much now as I did before you called. I'll wow. still, how about that? Angry hunter, mean hunter. Yeah, it's mean. It's hunter. mean hunter. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> Good. That, that Patterson interview so far gone. Isn't it? <laughs> All right, what are we eating today? Well, we we have two lunch menus because Iowa City has no school. Why? So today for the Gina Cata School, Insert they're having pepperoni pizza, mm. steamed broccoli with pear slices. That was at the Regina Callis new now for the Burlington Iowa Schools, chicken strips, corn, <laughs> garden salad, and mixed fruit. And that's lunch menu on Hawks Fanatics on the Mighty, 1630, KCJJ. Always plural. <laughs> I may have been a little harsh. <laughs> he hurt your feelings, man. Yeah, but you know what? That's, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not asking you to be suitor. We know you can't do that, but you're doing your best. Well, I'm trying. You're trying. You know, and um, you really enjoyed that, didn't you? <laughs> did you enjoy him? Did you? Uh, did you enjoy more Southern Justin ignoring him or his response to being ignored? Both. Yeah. Both were very they both kind of feed off each other, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh, God. It's Monday. It's going to be a fun week. Well, NFL draft coming up on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm predicting at least four, probably five Iowa players. Lucas Van Ness looks like he's going to go in the first round, which is incredible. An incredible story. Never started a game. And um, (laughs) then, of course, uh, Jack Campbell, Riley Moss, 
Kayvon Merriweather and Sam Laporta. I think all those guys, I think at least, four, I, I haven't seen Kayvon's name on as many mock drafts, but I, if, even if he doesn't get picked, he's going to sign as a free agent, and I believe he will make a squad. But I also think he's going to get picked, too, and Laporta and those other guys will definitely get picked. So this is just going to add to that, um, wow. the very productive line of developing NFL players. Now some will be like, you know, we get five players drafted. Why why can't we do better? Well, that's that's a whole other story. What Fox was... News Media and Tucker Carlson have agreed to part ways. Oh wow. <laughs> we thank him for his service to the network as a host and prior to that as a contributor. Mr. Carlson's last program was What? Oh so he's done? <laughs> he's Done. Newsmax or OAN? Which one? He'll go to one of those, won't he? I'm guessing uh, he, Newsmax. He's you know, got more money than God right now. He probably can take his well, time. Well, true. I mean, he's probably worth... I mean, what's he worth? He was making $30 million a year. Wow. I never watched his show. I hardly ever watched his show. I didn't like him before everything became so divided. Yeah. Remember when he was on? Remember um, he used Crossfire? To be on Crossfire. Yeah, he was on Crossfire. The Prince yeah. of Darkness, Bob Novak, and yes. Mike, remember Michael Kinsley? <laughs> yeah, they used to yell and scream. I used to watch that every once in a while. Bob Novak looked. Like... He was the Prince of Darkness. Yeah, he really was. That was his nickname. Yeah, but that was division back. <laughs> but he then. really looked like the Prince yes. of Darkness. But that's where we were division. That was as yeah. divided as we were back then. That show. Now, what I liked about that show is they put people from opposing sides against each other. Now, everybody just stays in their own little safety net. I mean, when's the last time you saw Tucker Carlson interview somebody that opposes his views? You don't. They just no, interview yeah. people that they can all just, you know, feed off each other. Wow, that's that's stunning. Also, oh, uh, Richard Lewis, are you familiar with him? Yes. Yeah. He's got Parkinson's. Does he? Oh, it's too bad. He's got Parkinson's. Yeah, he went to Ohio State. Hello. Uh, since the show is moving this direction, I have a question. Uh, yesterday, last night, Sound off. The show in Des Moines did their knockout poll on Twitter, like which they, which of these has to go, kind of a thing. And they did late night talk shows, and I think it was Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, and then Greg Gutfeld was a show on Fox, <laughs> and that one, by the way, Runaway. And people were complaining, why was that in there? Because it's not like the other ones that are on networks and stuff. And the account kept arguing with people, saying it's the highest rated late night talk show. And in that case, I defer to Captain Steve and the ratings guy. If that's true or not, I will hang up and listen. Thank you. Okay, what now? He wants to know if the Greg Gutfeld show at 10 o'clock on Fox is the highest rated show at that time. Maybe. I mean, it's it has on occasion. I mean, but yeah. what is CNN doing at 10 o'clock at night? They're not. I mean, I, I, that Greg Gutfeld guy is insufferable. I, I can't. Do you know who he is? No. Yeah. It's just all, all he does is push right-wing propaganda and makes fun of the... I just get tired. I don't need that. It's insufferable. I watch for like five minutes. I'm like, this guy is painful to listen to. And I don't find him funny either. Hello. Hello. Uh, they weren't comparing it to CNN. They were comparing it to like Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel. It, it has on occasion beat uh, Colbert slightly. Yeah, Fox uh, has and, a lot of viewers. And the other, and the other two. It's no mystery. Uh, Fox but has not a, consistently. Fox has a I lot of viewers. Yeah. Number one. yeah. I mean, they have a lot of viewers, and that, and they're the only. They're not. It's not number one consistently. Okay. That's See, I don't watch know. any. I don't know who's running their account, but I think they've got uh, maybe an agenda. <laughs> oh, without <laughs> question. But I'm so far removed from late night. I don't watch it anymore. Yeah. I haven't watched it since yeah. Letterman left. I did. And Dave's know, been gone for. Dave been gone I for. I watch 10. if I'm up. I'll watch the Colbert, but I'm seldom up. 
Has Dave been gone for how long? Has a it been long time. Uh, has it been over ten years? No, about, about, about pretty about. close. Yeah, like I said, I used to watch Dave. No, I I got away from watching Dave at the end, but I would watch him at times. I just don't watch a lot of TV at ten thirty at night. Yeah, yeah, I I'm sleeping. I go to, well, I'm not sleeping sometimes, but I go to bed. But yeah, what no, does that mean? I, I can't <laughs> sleep. I got too much on my mind. I come in in the morning and I go, okay. Who am I working with? I, I, the guy's name is on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Just play the jingle. <laughs> Captain Stephen who? So that just broke, though. That's going to be interesting to see how, I mean, Fox viewers are going to be pissed. They worship that guy. Well, pissed mean, or not, they, they are going up against now Smartmatic. Oh, yeah, and they're not. See, and the uh, difference. They, in, they're not backing down. No. No. The difference in Dominion and Smartmatic is Dominion is a USA company, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smartmatic is global. Uh, and and it's, they're pissed. And they're way pissed. Yes. And they ain't backing down. And the guys... They that, want an apology. See, yeah, on air. I don't, know if, I don't know if they're going to get it, but that's what they want. Well, he's, the guy says we ain't going to settle. Well, I think we obviously Fox is going to say, look what we're doing. Look at the steps we're taking. Yeah. We got rid of Dan Bongino. We got rid of... Tucker Carl, I think that's what they're going to use as part of their defense because you saw the, that Bongino. You know who he is, don't you? Just oh, yeah. another. But it doesn't just, excuse the fact that they trash the. This, but Bongino's this another. Just all he does is talk um, partisan politics. I mean, it's just division, yeah. hate, hate the opposition. Hate. Just hate, yeah. hate, hate. I hate that on both sins. I mean, like I said, I had to finally mute those Crassetin brothers. Well, so they're they, crazy. So they stop showing, and all they push is left wing stuff. Oh, it's, I'm just I sick mean, of it. But it's not only left wing stuff. It's lying left. And I'm tired of John Cooper. You know who John Cooper is? He's another left wing. All he does is tweet about right hate. The the crass, those guys, you know, the Easter Bunny is evil and all this crap. I mean, they just make crap up. I just get sick of the fringe on both sides. It's just. It's biz- yeah, but those guys are nuts. Yeah, and they're left wing nuts. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Not all the nuts are right wing. No, I listen. No, the right wing have just taken it to a pretty far level. I mean, they basically the the right has been taken over by one person. The only thing the right wing's got that the left wing nuts don't have is Fox and Trump a- and Trump. Yeah, I mean, you know. But hell, now Trump is starting to push left wing views it, yeah. if it means hurting somebody he doesn't like. I mean, he retweeted Joy Reid the other day. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. The guy isn't a Republican. No, he's nothing. <laughs> he's yeah. He really. He's Trump. Is. You know how you say, "Well, I'm not either." Well, yeah, a little bit you are because you're you you go to the sensible, but he isn't. He's neither a Republican nor a Democrat. He's just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and I know he's pushing the abortion, you know, the the right to life yeah. thing, but that's just for. Political. Yeah. Of course, I don't know if that's is. really no. what he believes. He doesn't. No, he doesn't. Doesn't believe in anything. He'll believe yeah. in anything that will help him push exactly. his personal yeah. agenda. Yeah, whatever. But that's going to be interesting to see who they replace him that seven o'clock hour there with Fox. I mean, he's averaging thirty three point five million viewers a night. Oh, he kicks the ass it's, out of. So what do you, who do you think? Oh, it's not Ingram. Even, who do you think they're going to put there? They might move up Waters. Oh, who's just painful? They might, <laughs> but I don't, I don't watch any of that stuff. I mean, I don't know. 
Like I like I said, I just unless it's hard news, I'm not watching. Get Cuomo, get Cuomo on there. He'll go either way. He oh Cuomo, yeah, he. I mean, yeah, yeah, he'll go. I could maybe they will try to reach out to Cuomo. I could see him going there. I I think he wants to be relevant again. I I, and I don't news nation news nation. It just doesn't seem like they can. Do any? I mean, they've got you know they between Cuomo, well. Dan Abrams, and Ashley Banfield, those are three pretty prominent journalists, and they can't make any headway. No, they should call the instead of News Nation, either go back to WGN or call it Blue Bloods. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only thing to get some rating. The selling channel, <laughs> and though you'll you'll turn on, you'll see your channel will be Blue Bloods like forty episodes in a row yeah. of Blue Bloods. Hello. Yeah, maybe they'll put in Southern Justin. Some people just don't contribute much. Well, no. he, that was his. He, he, I think that guy hung up thinking, "Yeah, I kind of like what I just said." Yeah. Well, at least it wasn't very, very long and well. Drawn I out. didn't. What would you do if Fox <laughs> did replace Tucker Carlson with Southern Justin? Well, he'd be out of our hair. Yeah, that's true. He's out there reading the menus to Sean Hannity. <laughs> Playing songs. Laura Ingram's like, why are the carrots mad? <laughs> that would you I would watch would you watch a little bit of that? <laughs> Back to the Hawks. <laughs> we're we're entering into that part of the year where where the Hawks are a lot harder to talk about. Suitors nowhere to be found. This is where we gotta be creative and come up with our own stuff. The only thing that we haven't talked Hawks yet is the UI track and field is at the Drake Relays this weekend. Yes, the Drake Relays are coming up this weekend. And the men's Big Ten Championship in the golf is taking place uh, uh, on Friday through Sunday in New Jersey. And what's the weather supposed to be like for Des Moines this weekend, Captain? Uh, same thing as it's going to be here. It's going to be in the fifties, but no major precip or anything. No. Oh, then they fifties no. a little cold. Yeah, but they can live with that. No, it, I take that back. Chance of showers, but I nothing significant. No, I don't mind fifties and sixties. I like to have a couple months where yeah, it's fifty. It's where called it's like spring. Spring. It's called yes. spring. Yeah, we, we don't need to be high seventies, eighties right now in April. No, we don't need to be scraping our windshields no. so in, in April either. So no, we're, I think we're far removed from that. <laughs> well, it was not this morning. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but it would be it would be melted by now. Yes, true. I mean, what's it supposed to get up to today? Like in the fifties? Yeah, um, fifty-six. Yeah, when I woke up and turned on the TV, it was thirty-two. Now I think it was thirty-four degrees. Yeah, and I still had my heat on. I mean, it's still. I had my air on a couple of weeks ago, but hopefully, I'll be turning off the heat this week. Well, let us wrap this up. Yeah, thanks again for Don Patterson coming on to give us an hour's worth of great insight. I thought it was pretty cool what he said about living in Iowa City, too. Yeah, really. You know, you can tell he's really emotionally attached to this town. And he's had a lot of, a lot of happiness up here. Yeah. So, but, but thanks again to Don and everybody else. Have a good, enjoy your Monday. Hawk Fanatic, it's free. Yeah.